0: Hey, everyone. In this episode, we'll be covering strategies for expanding your property management business, tips and uh, techniques on scaling up. This is Brad Larson, founder of the Property Management Mastermind Facebook group with over 12,000 members, owner of Rentworks Property Management, managing over 1,100 homes in the San Antonio and Austin, Texas regions, and your faithful podcast host. So let's get into it. There's several proven strategies for growing your property management business. Now, this is going to be somewhat oversight and it's fairly simplistic because there's two decent ways. And one is organic growth and the second is by acquisition. And a long time ago, I sat down with a business mentor and I said, I wanna grow my property management company. Should I look to buy another management company or should I look to just grow it organically? And without even a hitch, that mentor said, grow it organically, no doubt. So that's typically what most people wanna do and along the way, you may have an opportunity for an acquisition just that kind of falls in your lap. And it often kind of goes the least expected time. Uh, one of your competitors in your market may say, you know, nudge, nudge. Hey, I'm looking to sell because I want to retire. Are you interested in buying? And so there's a whole different conversation on that on the acquiring side. But what I want to talk through on this episode is go through some organic growth techniques that I do think are poignant and spot on for what may apply to this audience. So there's a lot of things that have to go through the organic growth first, and it starts with the value proposition. And so as I was writing down some notes, and I'm thinking, okay, if I started from scratch and built a management company with organic growth, as we are still doing today, we're still growing organically every year. uh, Typically, RentWorks is gonna add anywhere from 300 to 400 homes a year, Uh, that's 300 to 400 signups per year on average. And that's been going on for seven or eight years. It's another discussion to keep those homes. So that's another fun discussion. The organic growth side starts with a value proposition. So what that means is why would somebody hire you? Do you have guarantees? Do you have a decent pricing model? Are your reviews good? And I can't say enough about having good reviews Uh, because if you look like junk online, in the Google situation, then no one's going to call you. Uh, If they have five management companies, well, here's another part of that, is Google won't even show you if you're not above a 4.0 on your rankings. So if you're sitting at a 2.5 because uh, you don't care enough to even respond to Google reviews or eliminate the ones that are on there that are false or go out and get positive reviews, you may not even be seen on the organic growth side. Now, some may say that's no big deal. They're getting it all referrals. Uh, You know, they're getting it from investors that they have connections with. I mean, they're getting it from real estate agents in their office that they have like a a bond with or they're embedded in a real estate office, for example. So organic growth can come from all different places. But again, the value proposition goes down to several of those key factors. And again, one would be the pricing side. That was a big one that we spent a lot of time on and I've changed over the years a half dozen times or more uh, because you know, there, for a long time there was a, a lot to be said about a multi-tier pricing structure, there's a flat fee pricing structure, there's a percentage based pricing structure and we've gone through all of those and kind of come full circle back to a percentage model for pricing. At the end of the day, pricing may not matter that much and I would encourage you to not lean on that in organic growth because there's a lot of different ways and much gooder ways, as they would say, ha there's a lot better ways to grow organically than simply trying to outprice your competition, the race to the bottom concept, as they would say. Uh, if your competition's charging X, you go one below them or two below them to try and be that much better off. And that's only going to attract the clients that you may not want, that, that may not serve you long-term, Uh, as far as a benefit to the business, or they might be a detractor to the business. So we have, let's call it 11 or 12 lead sources. And here they are. Google, our website leads through our free market estimates. We have owner referrals. Okay. Owner refers us to another property uh, owner. Agent referrals. That's a big one. We rely heavily on agent referrals where we pay a 555 referral fee and we have a client return guarantee. Those are big parts of our uh, lead sources. Our biggest one by far is all property management. Okay. Let that sink in. I can hear you screaming at me now. Uh, All property management is actually fairly productive, believe it or not. We tend to want to be one of the highest uh, priced in the market. So let me go back a bit. All property management is a competitive-based lead generating module. It's been around for 10, 15 years, they've been bought out several different times. And so essentially they control an SEO portion of people looking for a certain thing. So you put in your keywords, your market, property management and all property management might be one of the first three that hit in the sponsored ads. And people can go in there and get competitive bids or information from up to six particular companies. Now, it's kind of a lose-lose for property management companies in one regard, is let's say a lead costs you $100. Well, they're charging six companies $100 for that lead. You have to be the first one in line to reach that lead. So speed to lead is critical. And I could could go on and on and on about that, but you got to be one of the first ones to contact that lead. So all property management is a very big and productive lead source for us. We pay close attention to it. We make sure we're one of the top one or top two in the bidding process. And it is a bidding process. The leads could run from 20 bucks to 200 bucks. Who knows? Depending on your market, we still think that's a very productive way to get leads. We have walk-ins and call-ins. And that's another place that we track them. I mean, walk-ins aren't very realistic, of course. But if you have a decent uh, office space and good location, especially if you're next to a real estate company, for example, or inside of a real estate company, you might get walk-ins. Call-ins are big because those are people that are searching online. They find you on the Google, they find you wherever, they look at your reviews and boom, they just pick up the phone and call, the call-ins. We get quite a few of those every week. Then we track them through our website. Uh, obviously we have free market estimates. We have Podium that we, we employ to get those website type of leads. We use bigger pockets. We go into bigger pockets, mm-hmm. and we uh, we have some sort of a uh, process that you know is very difficult to describe. But we do offer. We go into bigger pockets and do educational selling techniques, and kind of what that means is you participate in discussions on bigger pockets. They see your auto signature inside of your discussion points, and maybe they reach out to you. Maybe they want to friend you. Maybe they want to ask you. You know, who's the best vendor in town that you want to go to for uh, plumbing, for air conditioning, for sheetrock? Who knows? It's educational selling through bigger pockets. Then you have Facebook and social media. Those are pretty thin lead sources, but we do track those. Facebook's another whole different animal. Social media is a whole nother discussion. Referral websites, other, you know, we have other lead sources. And so we track all those and it goes into our weekly report. I'm reading right off of our weekly report. And so I only pull that out as kind of a long form discussion point as lead generation is key. And as a business owner, it's really your responsibility to ensure that your lead flow is coming in. And I could talk your ear off about, you know, the the importance of this. I would refer you to several different places to uh, learn more about it, to enhance those skills, to make sure that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And it, it really is a long conversation, but, it ties right into organic growth. And I want to talk further now about sales techniques. So something that we've been doing at Rentworks that's sort of unique is we've adopted a remote sales team. And we used to be for a long, long time, seven, eight years, uh, we have in-house business development, basically very well-paid salespeople in our organization on the ground, uh, running around, meeting people, talking to people, et cetera. And we were over time, able to make that more remote, meaning our salespeople are not in our office. They're answering the phones, they're answering emails, they're doing follow-up, they're doing online presentations, and they're pushing that remotely. So we've eliminated the whole in-house business development person, but we are strong believers in in in-house business development. However, you want to skin that cat. That could be a realtor on commission. uh, That could be You, the business owner, doing it yourself. That could be an in-house business development person. That could be a remote business development person. Uh, Something that gets that off of the business owner's plate is really the best model. And there's several uh, business development consultancies that I would recommend, namely BizDev Mastermind with Brian and Stephanie Hughes. Those are, I mean, they're some of the best. And Brian's worked with RentWorks before. They know all of the actual techniques that work in this industry. They've done Business development. Brian was one of my best biz dev managers ever. You know, he was pushing 400 homes a year in signups, and he's an absolute marketing genius. So I'd totally recommend them. And that might be where you want to start in discovering more about how you can reach organic growth at a different level. Now, managing growth challenges is another bullet point that I brought up because challenges that are going to fall in your lap in this regard is essentially trying to manage that growth. And I, there's always this butting head concept of you add homes and then you put it into operational uh, management and they just butt heads, right? They, it's just in any organization, whether you're, I'll probably pull up terrible analogies, but you can imagine imagine this. So you have a business development team. They sign up a piece of junk home they think is adequate. It goes to the operations. They're like, why did you sign up this piece of junk home? You know, we can't manage this. We can't rent it. You know, it's just that and the other It's terrible. Um, other ones might be you manage, You sign up a great home, but the owner's flat broke and on the brink of insolvency and going into bankruptcy. And you go to the operational team and they're like, yeah, we need to make the home ready. And it's going to take paint and probably a little bit of carpet and, you know, just a, a good once over. It's going to run, you know, $1,500 to $2,000. And the owner has no money. Okay, so that's another junk type of a scenario where the operations get frustrated because you sign something up that's really unmanageable for them. And the other part of that is being aware of that, that the black period, the gray period between sign up to made ready on the market. There's that, that period where if you're not constantly in contact with that owner, they might drift away. They may say you never followed up with them. They may say that it took too long to hear from somebody you know, after they signed up or had a conversation. So those follow-up techniques are huge. And it, it also ties into a good follow-up platform such as uh, Lead Simple or HubSpot or any different ways are out there to uh, follow up with people. I mean, you could even go, you know, extreme and go Salesforce if you had the time and effort and brain power. Uh, there's lots of ways to skin that cat. Getting away from the the stubby pencil yellow pad technique. That's not really a good follow-up platform. Uh, You're never going to be able to uh, follow up effectively. And then we've done secret shopper techniques. We've done uh, in different markets, we've seen this to where we we do a secret shopper. Uh, We call them up, say, hey, tell us about your property management business if they answer the phone at all, if they return your phone call, if they return your email. And then the percentage of actual second or third or fourth attempt follow-ups just falls off the cliff. I mean, you wouldn't believe the percentages. And so sometimes just following up, putting your name and face and your company bl- uh, brand in front of them is more than enough to fall into the business sometimes. And I wanna keep that in mind uh, as you go into it. Then you go into referral marketing is another good way to to, to manage some of your growth is are you getting those agent referrals through, it's, it's kind of like a campaign. And some of the things you should should consider in referral marketing is, are you doing six month lease agreements? Are you doing a risk mitigation fee where you're renting to folks that are less than perfect? Are you renting homes with pets? Are you offering a good referral fee to agents to give them a reason to refer you? And are you rewarding those agents with a return client guarantee? So some of those things in referral marketing is a campaign, but they all tie into organic growth. Now, going backwards just a hair to talk more about acquisitions on the growth side, man, you know, strategies for expanding your property management business, the acquisition game is a whole nother animal. And there's acquiring companies is an art and a science. It's it's not just like, hey, I want to go out and buy 10 companies because the seller's market right now in the acquisition world for property management companies is just amazing. It's you know, I always joke that if you wanted to sell your management company, you just put out a Facebook post. Hey, I'm interested in selling my management company. And then hold on to your your seat because you're going to get just absolutely bombarded with people DMing you and, and telling you what market are you in? I'm, I'm buying everything. And they, and they try to buy everything they can, even though they're not in that market. Uh, I would always caution anyone in this world to not do any acquisitions outside of your home market. Reason is, you can't tell me you've actually tapped out your home market. Unless you're in a town of 10,000 people, uh, you could never ever tap out your home market. I just never thought it was a good strategy to say, if you're in a big giant market like San Antonio, or you name the market with half a million people or or more, uh, unless you have 5,000 or 10,000 homes under management, you can't tell me you've cornered the market so much that you have to actually go to the neighboring metro three hours away to try and expand the business in that market. Building another infrastructure, having another on the ground uh, solution, having another property manager on the ground, having all these other different infrastructure items, There's there's no way that that is going to be a smart play, in my opinion. There are some that make it work. I know they're screaming at me now saying, I do it and I do it perfectly. I'm sure you do, but it's never been a wise strategy, in my opinion, because there's so much business right now for us to go get in the San Austin market. Why would we ever want to leave? Even if an acquisition fell into my lap in Dallas or Houston, which is still in the state, but three to four to five hours away, I would most likely turn it down. Uh, unless everything was just completely in place and it was a turnkey acquisition, I don't know if I would really take a look at it because there's a lot of losses that you're going to suffer, suffer in any acquisition. And that's the, that's the unspoken truth about acquiring a management company is you could expect a 25% loss. Maybe that's low or high. You can debate with me all day long. Maybe you can expect 10%. Maybe you can expect 50%. And if you doubt me, go ask some of the big acquirers in the country, all the, the you name it's out there that have made a profession in acquiring management companies. They're going to tell you their losses are significant. This is one good thing that we have in our industry is it's called insulation by fragmentation. What that means is no one's going to be able to come up and gobble up enough market share to ever make a dent in your operation as a small business. Unless you are managing 10,000 homes and all of a sudden a big company comes in and tries to steal some of that, it's never going to make a dent in a major Metro market because again, Even if they were to acquire, they're going to lose 25%. It always happens that way. As soon as the main principal leaves, uh, as soon as somebody comes in and tries to manage it from a distance, owners get wind of that, tenants get wind of that, things start to fall apart, the service levels drop, and next thing you know, you're losing. Um, And again, it's not a perfect solution. It's not a perfect scenario. But I do want to at least mention that that's one of the big concerns in shying away from an acquisition versus organic growth. Organic growth, you can do slow and steady. And then when you add a home, you can make sure you keep that home by making sure you're operationally sound. With acquisition growth, it's all of a sudden you have 100, 500, 1,000 homes that pop into your responsibility. A lot of things can go wrong, a lot of moving pieces. Okay, so with every episode in our uh, new podcast format, we're gonna be taking posts from our Property Manager- Mastermind Facebook group. Again, we have over 12,000 members in that group. And that is an absolute perfect resource for you to take a look at some of the comments that are being made and learn from some of the ideas that people are throwing out there. And basically, it's a mastermind format. I want to hone in on that because that is where you're going to get some good ideas and good comments. And speaking of masterminds, I would encourage everybody to take a look at the RentWorks mastermind, rwmastermind.com. It's a small group format being done twice a year here in San Antonio in our office at RentWorks. You can go to rwmastermind.com to visit that and learn more. So back to our Facebook post that I like to highlight in each one of our podcasts. Here's one from Bob Lett Jr., January 3rd. What are some of your favorite PM books and podcasts when growing a PM company from the ground up? We have close to 100 doors, mix of apartments, duplexes, and single family home. This one had a list of 21 comments with over 500 reaches on that post. And there's some pretty good stuff in here. With several uh, versions of references, and a lot of these were two podcasts. And I thought that was pretty pretty spot on because I think you know there's some good ways to learn about this through the podcast. I mean, clearly, if you're listening to this, there's, you know you're going to pick up something, but there's some pretty good podcasts out there that uh, I would encourage you to hone in on and listen to. My only caveat, my only warning, is focusing on the podcasts by property managers. There are lots of vendors who've never been a property manager that want you to listen to their podcast so they can sell you their goods and sell you their wares. It's pretty clear who they are, and you can see who they are. If they've never actually managed property, but they claim to be the expert, okay, great. So I want my brain surgery to be done by the marketing rep for Pfizer who sells them the drugs. Okay, you guys get my analogy there? I'm sure you do. Another good book reference, Peter Loman, thanks for the reference on this one. Uh, my favorite books were simple numbers by Greg Crabtree. I like Greg. I've done a podcast with him. Uh, his simple numbers book, and he's got two of them out there are great reads or great listens to, you know, I do everything audible, uh, a lot of podcasts, a lot of books on, uh, t- or recording books, audible books. I think those are fantastic stuff to listen to. So in closing up this episode, I wanted to say thank you again for listening. And in every episode, as mentioned, we're going to be taking Uh, successful posts on our Mastermind Facebook group and diving into them. And I'll give you some of my two, two cents worth and comments and looking forward to have all of you back in the next episode. Thanks for listening.